But now winter is truly coming, and in the winter, we must protect ourselves. Look after one another. No one will take my dragons. The occasional kindness will spare you all sorts of trouble down the road. For the night is dark and full of terrors. Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. I meant no disrespect to you, of all people. What is dead may never die! What is dead may never die! Ah! Tracaris. If you want to own a sword, you better know how to use it. This war is far from over. Winter is coming. Hey everybody and welcome to Gab of Thrones. I'm Jonathan. And this is Jay. And you might be asking yourself, what exactly is Gab of Thrones? That's an excellent question. Uh, I think Gab of Thrones is really just two fans of the show. Uh, I don't know, John, did you read the books? Because I didn't read the books. I did not read the books. No, I tried. It was it was quite weighty, so I figured I'll stick with the TV show. But really what this is going to be about is uh, in about seven weeks, the final season of Game of Thrones is coming up. So John and I, starting this week, we're going to take a look back at season seven because there are only seven episodes there. We're going to talk about each episode each week and leading up to the final episode or the final season, I should say. And then we'll go episode by episode there and just talk about it. Yeah, so basically, uh, Jay and I are both big fans of Game of Thrones, and we were talking one day, and we said we should do a podcast on the last season. Um, you know, because so it'll be finite, and you know, it'll be seven episodes, and we're going to do one after each episode, which is about. Uh, you've heard Jay that these are supposed to be like hour, hour and a half long episodes, right? Yeah, they're supposed to be pretty epic episodes. Um, yeah, like I think about ninety minutes each at least. Uh, and I'm going to kind of think that perhaps that very final episode might even be a little longer, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, these, these are going to be very, they're going to be epics, basically, almost like mini movies. Right. So like Jay had said, uh, to kind of pave the way and get our juices flowing and excited for the next season or the final season, uh, we're going to talk about the most recent season, season seven. We're going to do an episode by episode recap. Um, just give our thoughts on it and how what happened in that episode might pay off in this final season. Yeah, so the first episode of Season 7 is Dragonstone. So I, I think we're just going to say it right off the bat. Uh, this is going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen any of these episodes and you don't want it spoiled, you, you really better watch it and then come on back. So Dragonstone, as you know, is the ancestral home of the Targaryen family. But really, up until this point, it had been used by Stannis Baratheon. Um, but that's not where we start, though. We, well, let's... We Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This is weird. We're recapping season seven, but we have to do a quick recap of season six. So season six ends with Daenerys, um, uh, the Grey... Are they the Grey Ones? Uh, oh, the uh, Unsullied? No, the... Uh, the uh, well, Daenerys with the Dothraki army, the Unsullied army, the... Um, the Grey... It's the Greyjoys, right? Yes, the Greyjoys. Um, Yara and... Who's, who's Reek? Uh, Theon. Theon. So Theon and Yara escape from the Iron Islands with about a hundred of their best ships and people loyal to them because they're 
their uncle pretty much took over the Iron Islands in a coup and they were going to be killed. And they meet up with Daenerys and they all join forces. And we also have, I think that's all of them, right? They all join forces. So uh, now they jo- well, they join forces. They join forces. Uh, I believe they also form an alliance. And, and again, I mean, John and I have seen everything. So. I, if some stuff blends together, but I think they also made an alliance with the Tyrells. Uh, Elena Tyrell was there, and the the ones in the West, the Mart, not the Martells. The um... oh, I know the, uh, the the sisters that were sneaks or something like that. Yes, the yes, uh, yeah, okay, I know the Oberon and uh, it might be Martell, right? I think no. it's the Martells, but I think since the kids are, or the these daughters are technically considered bastards. Uh, they're sand because uh, right, 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 like snow yeah. sand. Yeah. So no. basically, yeah. So season six ends with the ships heading finally after six seasons. Daenerys getting on boats and heading toward Westeros from where she was. Easteros, I guess, right? Uh, from Essos, yeah. From mm-hmm. Essos, Essos. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's how it ends, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, stuff's about to go down." Daenerys is coming with the Dothraki and the and the Unsullied and the Tyrell army and the Greyjoy navy. So uh, look like oh, stuff and, is about uh, to go. And don't forget three dragons. Oh, that's right, three dragons. Uh, Jon Snow had defeated um, Ramsay Bolton in the Battle of the Bastards to finally, again after five, well six seasons, I guess, to finally become king of the North. Um, his sister joined him. Sansa, yeah, I was going to call her Jean Grey. <laughs> so, so Sansa joins him. Sansa's finally back in the north after again six years, or probably more at this point, along with Lord Baelish, who's knights, knights of the River Riverlands. Is that who they are? Uh, uh, they were the knights of the Vale. Knights of the Vale mm-hmm. rescued uh, John during the Battle of Bastards. So all the pieces. Cersei blows up the Red Keep. And solidifies her partner, her power. <laughs> partner, I don't know what that means. And Jamie finally makes it back to uh, what says Helm, not Helm's Deep. What's the what's the name of their city? Where uh, is it? Oh, back to King's Landing. Yeah. So Jamie makes it back to King's Landing. So all the players are in place at the end of season six for what's what we're we're hoping is an epic season seven. So now we know where everybody is. Season seven opens up where Jay, at Dragonstone. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, actually, no, it, it actually it opens up uh, at the Twins. And one thing that we did see at the end of season six was all this time Arya has been on her own. Uh, she has been making a long list of people to get revenge on. And uh, Walder Frey, who is uh, the head guy there at the Twins, who basically orchestrated what was known as the Red Wedding, where uh, Rob Stark and Catelyn Stark were killed and pretty much... All the Starks were slaughtered and kind of led to the downfall of Winterfell. Uh, she took her revenge. Um, she was she is a faceless man, so she has that ability to wear others' faces. And she snuck in there and she killed Walter Frey. So this episode starts off with Walter Frey holding a big party, having all the Freys there. He's inviting them, and you're kind of like, wait a minute, uh, she killed him. But it's really her in disguise, and she basically poisons all of them. Right. She has all the male heads of the families there, of the Frey family, and um, yeah, poisons them all, and they all die. And one of the best lines is, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say one of the best lines is, is the North remembers, which right. is just, oh. Well, she looks at, she looks at the wife, 
who's you know Walder was famous for for like marrying 15 year olds if they were that old and mm -hmm. um he looks at the current wife and he goes when people ask you what happened you tell them the north remembers i was like oh, oh. And, I, and i think and i think she also said and winter came for that something like that something like oh that. yeah and, and something like oh. if you leave leave one wolf alive and the sheep are never safe or something like that pretty much yeah pretty so much. She's, she's kicked by yeah so and she kills them i mean it's a room full of people she gets her revenge for the red wedding and i had forgotten because i rewatched this episode recently she was mm -hmm. she was at the red wedding with the hound with yeah, the, I actually, yeah yeah i actually just watched this one too my daughter is currently watching it and she just watched the red wedding and yeah her and the hound were right there uh, like she saw she saw yeah. rob star come out with the head of his dire wolf right his oh, body God. yeah uh, yeah that was uh, that was so, just crushing I think you know it's funny and not funny, but I think Jay, I think we forget a lot of what Arya has gone through in terms of how strong she is as a just as a she's probably the most ruthless and strongest um not snow today. Uh Starks? One of the, Starks. Yeah. yeah, she's probably one of the most ruthless and and cunning Starks out there. And she pulls it off and you never suspect it because she's, you know, probably five foot nothing and <laughs> comes off as this frail little girl but she's been through a lot i mean if you think about seeing uh the results of the red wedding and and having to be partnered with the hound for a while even though he was more or less kind to her he wasn't that kind to her you know right. she never knew what was going to happen and then everything she went through uh by becoming a faceless man um Oh, and let's not forget, I mean, she was there when her father was beheaded. I, she saw oh, that's she right. saw her father executed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I mean, she's definitely gone through a lot, but I would also say that look at Sansa. Sansa's gone through a lot as well. Uh, forced to marry Tyrion way back when, then basically sold off by uh, Lord Baelish to Ramsay Bolton, where she was his quote-unquote wife, uh, where he just... I mean, they pretty much insinuated that he, he raped her, he beat her, he was just as bad to her as he was to Theon. Now, did, um... Mm -hmm. Joffrey was killed on her wedding night, so they never consummated that relationship, right? Well, actually, yeah. Uh, what happened with that is, you know, they did get married, her and Tyrion got married, and uh, Tyrion was very noble. Like, he said, look, we're not doing this unless you want to. Like, if you don't invite me into your bed, I'm not going to force it on you. They actually had, pretty much up until she found out that the Lannisters orchestrated the death of her brother Rob, they actually had a pretty good friendship going on. But once she found out, you know, the Lannister was pretty much, with the phrase, arranged right. the whole dead wedding, yeah, kind of, that kind of put the kai. I'm saying Joff Joffrey never forced himself on Sansa, right? No, he did definitely allude, because at her wedding night, um, Tyrion was very, very drunk because he didn't want to go through with it. And at one point, Joffrey actually came over and said to her, he's like, you know, oh, maybe I'll pay you a visit tonight. Oh, you don't like that? Well, my men will hold you. Okay. So he insinuated it, but no, he never did. He never did. Okay. So what you have here are the two sisters. You have one... So they've both gone through a lot, and you have one in Arya who's trained to be like this expert fighter, assassin, um, very cunning, uh, almost warrior. And they have Sansa who just, through the ordeals that she went through, instead of it breaking her, she allowed it to make her stronger. 
and the whole time she kind of gives off in this episode um there's a point where John Snow says to her uh you almost sound proud or something like that in regards to being referred to as almost like Cersei that'd be something Cersei would do so you kind of get this feeling that Sansa was learning the whole time like she was paying very close attention to how they worked each other like how the, the Lannisters worked um, people and, and use people and how to get with and even Lord Baelish I think she was listening to very closely and she was in a different way she's you know she's not as frail looking or you know petite as her sister but I think people looked at her as kind of like this girly girl because she was all like oh you know in the beginning she was like oh Joffrey's so cute I want him to be my husband you know that kind of stuff but I think she grew up really quickly and, and from observing Cersei and the other Lannisters and, and Lord Baelish I think she's she's got her own way of obviously she can't fight like Arya, but right she she can get she can she's a survivor and she knows what she has to do to survive. Yeah, I mean she's definitely a survivor, and you know one of the things we see here is when John John Snow pretty much has all the Northmen there and is telling them about the army of the dead that's coming, and he's trying to rally all of them. Sansa stands up to him and Sansa like questions his orders now season one season two Sansa is she's not even going to be there she's going to be worried about her hair and things like that she's right there she's the lady of Winterfell and she's challenging John you know um right she's advocating for him to punish two families that betrayed the Starks yeah John is talking about you know their fathers you know betrayed the Starks and they're dead they died in battle and the heads of the family are like a teenage girl and like a young boy and he goes we need all the allies we can get and I'm not going to push these these away and Sans is like in front of everybody standing up and goes no we need to punish the traitors and and reward the the honorable ones because she wanted to give their their castles away to different families Mm -hmm. and uh, you can really see it there it really got me worried because when throughout the course of this show when people did the right thing, like John was trying to do, like, all right, look, we, we, you know, we have to focus on the problem in front of us, not on what happened behind us. That never works out. When you're yeah. the noble one, when you're the nice one, that never works out. So you kind of see John's point of view because, and I think through years of watching TV and reading books, you know, we're we're, we're taught to admire that nobility, that John's, you know, that forgiveness, and that, you know, now it's time for everybody to be one and fight against the, the White Walkers, and kind of admire that, but. This show has slowly taught you that mm, that might not work out for John. Sansa might be right. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see validity in both points. I mean, you know, John really raises the great point where he says, you know, look, we all as living, breathing people have a common enemy in the army of the dead. So these past grudges, we have to forget them because, you know, the White King and the White Walkers and all, they don't care. They don't care about our petty squabbles. They're here to kill us. Sansa, on the other hand, you know, really says, look, I saw what happened when our father, Ned, did the honorable thing. He ended up losing his head. You know, sometimes you got to play dirty. You got to do these things, you know, in order to stay alive. So both points are definitely very valid. Um, I also love this scene because it has one of my favorite supporting characters, uh, Little Lady Mormont from Bear Island, who stands up to all of these, you know, northern lords when she declares that she herself is she's like i'm gonna be on the front lines i'm gonna be fighting and you know i don't need anybody to fight for me i'm not some little girl i'm gonna train every man woman boy girl on bear island and we're fighting she is 
one of my favorite supporting characters. Well, that little girl, Leanna Mormont, has come such a long way. Like, I think she v- first premiered in a season five episode, maybe Battle of Bastards, maybe the one before it, when they were trying mm-hmm. to uh, they were trying to gather as many allies to John as they could to fight Ramsay. And she was one of the first ones. She was always with them. She's like, we've always Bear Island has always been with the Starks. We will always our swords will always be with the Starks. And and John's like, oh right, great. He's like, how many soldiers? And she goes like fifty two. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she was just you know she stands up to everybody and you know she's made you know older men, uh, older warrior men like back down. And uh, she's she's a great side character. Her she's really come a long way. Uh, an instant hit right away, especially and that actress does a great job uh, conveying that confidence that she has. You know. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I love about this series overall is those second-tier characters. There's so many of them, and there's so many that I love because even though they get they don't get as much screen time, uh, you know, like Lady Mormont, Brienne of Tarth, Podrick. You know, they don't get all that screen time, but when they do, you know, the show knows how to use them effectively. That you really care about, like Brienne of Tarth, is another one of my favorite characters. She gets a little more screen time than some of the others, but I think the show overall does a great job at that. Like, it's not just Daenerys and Jon and, and Cersei and, and Jaime. You know, it's it's this entire ensemble. Yeah, you really... They do a really good job of having these minor characters, but you learn to really, really care about them. You know, I think Hodor is a perfect example of that. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just what happened with him. And that whole story, too. Now... We're going to start talking some theories here about what's coming up. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff online talking about Bran. He's he's Three-Eyed Raven. Right, he's Three-Eyed Raven now. Right. And Oh, and he, he finally arrives back at... Um, he's not at Winterfell. He's at the um, the Black Castle. Yeah, he, he arrives Castle at Black. Black. Castle, Castle yeah, Black. Castle Black, yes. wherever the... Um, what are they called? Uh, Night's Watch. Where the Night's Crows, Watch is Night's headquartered, Watch, right. Yeah. Uh, so after seems like years on the other side of the wall, uh, he comes back with um, I can't remember her name. But... I can't remember her name either. But anyway, yeah. so they come back, they let him in, and he's like, he pretty much proclaims, "I'm the three-eyed raven now." Yeah, and now there's there's theories online that he's actually the White King, and you know a lot of people are like, "Well, how can this be?" When you see the episode with Hodor, pretty much we get. The origin of Hodor, it's because Bran and the and the three-eyed raven at the time travel back in time and they see Hodor, and for some reason he's able to interact with Hodor, which changes him to become from this simple stable boy into Hodor. So do, do you think being the three-eyed raven, like I mean, I don't know how they handle this here. I mean, I'm gonna throw out the word time travel but it's almost like it's like a like a time travel thing that that he can do and and interact well here's the thing it's game of thrones they're probably not all going to have happy endings and it would be within line of the storytelling for brand to kind of be responsible for all this yeah so i don't i mean i personally trying to stay away from this the uh spoilers or the, the theories and I, I can see why they're thinking that, but what would be the purpose of Bran being the White King? Like, what would his motivation be to try to take over the world? Yeah. I, 
I mean, I know, I know. It's just it, it's a and theory that's we, out there. Yeah. Isn't there an episode in one of the seasons where the children of the forest didn't they create the White King? Wasn't he a human that they did they stab him or something like that, and he turned into the White King? Right. They were trying to fight the first men. They were actually the ones that were opposing the like because I guess the first men were trying to expand out and were basically kind of like we do nowadays, just taking over everything and and just cutting down trees and this and that. So that's how they fought back by creating the White Walkers and the White King. So who knows? Who knows? But I mean, it's, it's an interesting theory. That's the thing. I mean, with Star Wars, Game of Thrones, anything, even the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everybody's got a theory about how things should go or how they'd want it to go. And, um, you know, I'll say this. With Endgame, I'm avoiding anything that says Avengers. <laughs> I I am so... I shouldn't say this out loud because we're so close to the movie, but I've been really, really good at avoiding any kind of theories. I don't want to look at nothing. I'll watch the trailers and that's it. And that's how I kind of feel about Game of Thrones because, I mean, it's good to have speculate and talk about things like that, but I don't know. I, I mean... I don't know if if it's good storytelling to make him the to make him the uh, the the white the, the king, you know, the night king. Yeah, I mean, the night king is is pretty scary, and, and that whole confrontation between the living and the dead is going to be scary enough. Right, right. So let's let's kind of go back to the, to the story. Yeah. So we have Arya does that. Um, this comes upon one of the worst scenes in any episode of Game of Thrones ever, when Arya is on the road to. Um, God, what's that city again? Uh, oh, going back to King's Landing. Yeah, when she's going back to King's Landing, she runs into the soldiers, and you know you're, you're engrossed in this this uh, myth- mythical fantasy world, and then all of a sudden there's that the ginger of pop music Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran just totally ruined the moment, pulled me out of the episode, uh, and we got and he's singing, so of course he's singing, of course. So we get through that, but it's an important scene because that's where they find. Isn't that where she finds out that Jon Snow took back the North? Yeah, that's and that kind of changes her plans altogether. She, you know, like she tells them seriously, but they take it as a joke. I, I'm going to King's Landing to kill the Queen, but when she gets that information, she's like, "Okay, now I have to head back to Winterfell." So, and this is important because remember, these, the Stark children have not been together since Episode One. Like, mm. I think three. That's well, true. Yeah, That's I think true. three or yeah, that many of them at least. Uh, yeah. I think there was a period where Sansa and well, Sansa and Arya and Arya they were together for a little bit, right? They went with their father to the to uh, King's Landing. John went off to the Wall. So you had Rob, Bran, and Rickon staying behind. Right. Rob then took her off to fight. Rob went off to fight. So and Bran and Rickon had to run when when uh, the Boltons took over Winterfell correct yeah yeah so yeah. yeah this is the first time i mean the fact that sounds like john are together to get this episode is kind of momentous yeah it, it really is and i mean i think this this episode um i think it's sort of like the beginning of like consolidation of power because we see you know the starks up at winterfell uh at the end of the episode we get daenerys arriving at dragonstone uh, but we also see, you know, in King's Landing, we see Jamie confronting, Cersei. yeah, confronting Cersei, going, "What are you doing? You know, you you, you blew up the the set, and and you killed all these people. We have no allies. We're surrounded by enemies." She's not worried about it. Well, no, she's not at all. That's the scary part. Uh, he really lays it out. He lays the tr- he drops some truth bombs on her, 
And she's like, I am the I'm the queen of the seven kingdoms. He goes, eh, four at most. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, she just looks at him and she's like, all right, we'll handle Trust me. We're going to handle this. And, you know, it, here's a, the first episode of every season really, in good shows at least, set up the whole season. And I think this episode does a fantastic job. Of this. I was watching it. When I was watching it yesterday, I was thinking, okay, this is like a chess game. This first episode is setting up, because the, they knew they only had two seasons left. Last season, yeah. season up. This episode is is the beginning of the chess game. There's everyone set. Everybody's in their home area, and they're setting everybody up in the right spots. You had to get the Starks, as all the Stark children are left alive, get them back in Winterfell. You right. had to get Cersei and Jaime back at Winterfell. I mean, um, King's, King's Landing. Landing. You mm-hmm. had to get Daenerys across the ocean finally after five years, <laughs> um, and at Dragonstone, and and her her allies together, and the. And okay, I'm gonna say something that alluded to future episodes, but I won't. So, hey, his spoiler: Jay and I have seen the whole season already, so we're we're gonna try to keep episode focused on the, the episode we're talking about. So yeah, I'm looking at this as like a really giant. You know, uh, look, it's called Game of Thrones for a reason. If you take that that map, and it's almost a, it's like a huge chess game. You know, everybody's getting ready, and stuff's about to go down, and and, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, and it's interesting that you say chess, because whenever throughout the series, whenever you see a king, a general, anybody planning something, they have their map out. It all looks like chess pieces. You have the Lannister lions, you have, the, you know, the Stark wolves, like right. each, each family, each big powerhouse here, they look like pieces on a chessboard. So, yeah, that's 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 a great analogy right there. It's the greatest game of Stratego ever. <laughs> Was it more like Risk? Would it be more like Risk or Stratego? I'm not sure. Uh... I mean, Stratego was a little bit of strategy. I would say kind of more luck than strategy. But Risk is, uh, yeah. I mean, Risk is, this This is real life Risk right here with forging alliances and uh, moving chess pieces. And the thing is really interesting. Like I said, my daughter, she wants to watch, uh, you know, the final season. So she's in the process of watching all the seasons. And I'm going back to season one and seeing things that at that time didn't seem very significant and i'm thinking oh my god that little move that lord baelish just did that plays out in like four or five seasons from now it's 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 crazy it's crazy yeah it's 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 incredible writing uh throughout all the seasons and um so let's all right so we talked about all the main players all the main players are back in their their respective castles and but we have some very important i won't call minor players uh, secondary i guess sure secondary characters uh, and we we get to catch up to where they are uh someone that i think in the first season you would think was just kind of a throwaway character but it has seems to be very very important to where the story all ends up is uh sandor clegane who's the hound yeah he's really he's had an incredible arc where he's you know sort of like he was the bodyguard for the king you kind of get the impression that he's a very ruthless person, but then we see, uh, you know, as he kind of escorts Arya around, trying to get her back with her family, that he's really, he's not that bad. You know, he ends up with, uh, it's like the they're they're like the Brotherhood of No Banners. Without banners, yeah, the Brotherhood without, Brotherhood without banners. And what's amazing is is we see, uh, you know, we see in this episode, uh, you know, they start talking about the Lord of Light a lot more. And, you know, they tell him, you know, they call him Clegane, you know, they say, Clegane, you know, you, you have a really important part here in all of this. They make him look into the fire, which, of course, as you know, the Hound hates fire because of what his brother did to him. 
which was to shove his face in the fire for playing with one of his toys, I think, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and And he sees in the fire, you know, a mountain way north of the wall, and he's like, I see the army of the dead, they're approaching me. You know, he's he's seeing this, and he's like, they're all telling him, now you know why we're here, now you know what part we have to play. And, yeah, I thought, yeah, he's, he's going to die one day. Like, I thought Brianna Tart had killed him seasons ago, but no. And he, he's going to be a pretty big player upcoming in uh, this final season. Well, I think what I like about it, and, and like I said, in the first season, you, there was nothing to make you think that this is where his arc would go. But it's certainly a, a, an arc of redemption. Uh because he even says he goes leave it to me to hang out with men who worship fire you know like a fire <laughs> god or something um because the thing about the lord of the light is there's the one guy whose name i can't even tell you what it is but he keeps getting brought back to life the guy with the eye patch yeah and, and he's got a flaming sword which come on now <laughs> how often is that so we currently have seen the lord of the light bring this guy back like i think twice we've seen it happen but he he said he's done it like six or seven times Yes, and we also sort of Lord like bring back Jon Snow, so this this gives you this kind of divineness that these two gentlemen are meant for something, and when the guy with the eye patch is telling the game you're meant for something, that has weight to it. And this guy's gonna know if anybody's gonna know you're meant for something, it's gonna be this guy. And Clegane's redemption arc really takes hold in this episode because look where they're bedding down for the night. Yeah, absolutely. It's a house that they that he and Arya had. Yeah, had stopped back in season two or three, and he knew he was like these guys aren't going to survive the winter, you know. And you you know it right away because first of all, before the episode starts, they they kind of tease that flashback. But when they come up to the house, he's like, no, no, we're not staying here. We should move on because he well, knows. because it's not just that he knew they weren't going to survive the winter, but what did he do? He robbed them. He I robbed mean, them. He's like they're not, he's like they're not they're going to waste this anyway because they're not going to live long enough. So he robbed them, took all their money. I thought he was going to kill the dad, but he wound up keeping the dad. And it was dad and daughter. Yes. He kept them alive. But again, they opened this, and they're he's like, no, we're not going to that house because he knows what he's going to find there. Mm-hmm. And they find the two of them. I believe they committed suicide. Right, the father killed the daughter first. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Again, I know. The one guy is Thoros, he's like the priest, and the, the one with the eye patch, I can't remember the name, but he basically says, you know, yeah, the, the father took her life in his because they were starving to death, and they had no way of, they were trapped, they were basically snowed in, and, and that was it for them. So. Right. And there's no, I mean, you know, the Hound has to come in terms of the fact that he robbed these people and maybe that money could have helped them. You don't know what they would have, or they would have lived longer, or they, maybe they would have left and been able to stay closer to food sources, you never know. So and and, and he, you see he's turning the brotherhood. The, look, his time with Arya changed him. His beaten by Brienne changed him. When he when he was part of that commune, commune that was building a church. Do you remember that one episode? I do. Yeah. And and he goes away and they wind up being killed. Um, I guess but just by highwaymen, right? Yeah, pretty they, much. Yeah. Um, so he's been changed through all these experiences, and. In the way Arya's been changed, and the way the Sansa's been changed, I don't know if you can say they've been changed for the better, because they, in, in a way, they they become more ruthless. Whereas the Hound is becoming not that he probably could get any more ruthless. There's probably only one direction he could change at this point. Um, you know, he's starting to understand the weight of his actions, 
and that he doesn't have to be this person that he thought he had to be, this ruthless person. That there's a piece inside him, and I think he discovered that because he didn't kill Arya right away. Because there were plenty of times he could have left Arya or killed her or whatever. But there was something that you know he did. He make the promise to bring him to the mother. That's why they're at the the phrase, right? He he promised. Well, he, he I don't know so much that if he promised. I think he saw it as an opportunity. Like a financial opportunity, like uh, I'll bring you there, and and your, your mom, mom and your brother, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna pay me. Gotcha. They're gonna pay me for you. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and really, you know, what he says is when he gets in there and he, he sees them and he ends up burying them, he's like, you know, why why am I still alive? I, I'm I'm a I'm really not a good person. I, they should be alive. They were good people. Yeah. Because of me, they're dead. And then that's when they have the whole look into the fire and you uh, look, know. That, that's some yeah. deep, deep pathos right there. That's for a human being to especially someone that lived the life that the hound lived, to come to that understanding. And that's where he turns. Like it's almost like when he cusses at you or insults you after that moment, it's almost cute. It's like, oh, look at the hound trying to be a tough guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you know yeah, he's yeah. got that smushy inside. So um yeah, and, and I think he understands that being part of the brotherhood with no without banners is something that a he was probably meant to be and meant to do and that mm-hmm. i think he started believing in not only say a higher power but that his life was meant for something more and i think as human beings when you have that when you figure out a purpose not that you have to know what your purpose is but when you can even believe that you do have a purpose i think that that's a good driving force a good motivator yeah, because absolutely, because you see, when he looks into the fire, at first he's first he's scared, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Then he's very disbelieving. He's like, I see burning logs. But then when the vision is revealed to him, and he sees actually what it is, it's the army of the dead, and they're they're coming for us. You know, then he realizes that, yeah, I I do have a part to play. Like, you know, I for I I foresaw this, or I could do something to help prevent this. You know, I'm ready now. I can get people ready for it. Whatever it is. He finally sees that value, and it was—it's just a great scene. And I don't know the actor who plays the Hound, but just just in the whole change in his facial expression from bored to like a, a total non-believer. But once he starts, that vision starts to unfurl. Oh my God! You see the change in his face—it's—it's—it's it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's head back to Winterfell and talk about another secondary character: the slimy, disgusting. You love to hate him. You hate to love him. Lord Banish. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, no. now, yeah, this is where we have to be careful because, you know, no. this is only first first episode of season one, so we can't give too much away. <laughs> but the thing is this. He's not, he's not in a lot of the episode, and Sansa has one of the best, oh, no, you didn't lines, you know, ever. So <laughs> the thing is this. When season six ends, because Lord Banish brings the Knights of the Vale down to pretty much save John, and John realizes that um, at the Battle of the Bastards, you know, they're the reason, the Knights of the Vale are the reason John has the North. And the Knights of the Vale are there because Lord Baelish was able to, through manipulation, wrest control of the Knights of the Vale, that whole kingdom from um, uh, the mother's sister, right? Yeah, and I mean, manipulation, unless I forget murder. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, look, when you have a huge hole in your throne, room, throne room that drops down like 3,000 feet, it's kind of your fault, too, I think. But, um, 
<laughs> so uh, Lord Bellish, and and what's great about him, I don't know if, if you notice this, but he, I, I think I'm pretty sure he's almost always coming out of a shadow. Like he's always been there, you know, yeah. like he like yeah. like a snake. Like he's like sounds is just standing, watching um, Potter get the crap knocked out by um, <laughs> Brienne. Uh, Brienne. Yeah, and he just like a shadow. He just steps out of a shadow, like. Like Nosferatu or something. <laughs> no, and, that's that's yeah. And he's giving he's giving Sansa all this flowery language about you know, and trying to whisper in your ear about John is a bastard. He he shouldn't be king. You're the rightful heir. But he's doing it in such a way to kind of and that's it's it's that situation where he's trying to make her realize you know like like she's coming to the thought herself. And Sansa is just. This is such a perfect moment because she's dealt with him for probably two years at this point. And and you're always thinking, like, oh my god, Sansa, when are you gonna realize he's manipulating you? When are you gonna realize? And it's at this moment she just gives up the, the charade and she's just like she says she's she snaps at him and um I think John is coming to talk to her and she goes you don't have to say goodbye, Lord Baelish. I'm sure. I'm sure you're about to say something clever. I'll just assume you did, or something like that. Yeah. And then like he's like, "Oh, he's like, like just smacks him down." And then that's when you know, like, "Oh, Sansa's on to him." And you're like, "Thank God," because they were so good at playing up Sansa as this almost um, very malleable and be able to be manipulated young lady. And I, she's really coming to her own now. It's like it's like coming to Winterfell. It's like a He-Man walking to Castle Grayskull. It's like, you know, she's got the power of Winterfell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said before that, you know, I think she's learned from the best from Cersei, uh, from her time with Littlefinger. Yep. And then the, the struggles that she went through, um, you know, forced into one marriage, uh, sold off into another where she was physically and, and mentally abused. She's definitely stronger. Plus, she has Brienne of Tarth who has her back. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to worry about her not being able to fight because she has probably one of the best fighters in the kingdom, all seven kingdoms, at her side who is, I mean, you want to talk about loyalty and devotion. You know, you look it up in the dictionary, you'll see her picture right there. I mean, she is loyal to a fault. It's, yeah, yeah Sansa's ready. <laughs> so, so we, as this episode ends in regards to Lord Belish, we have to be on the lookout there's there's that concern that he might be able to twist Sansa around into betraying John. Oh yeah, and I mean I think even though he realizes that she's on to him, he's already five moves ahead. He's like, oh oh, oh don't worry, I'll concoct something. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll he's got something in the works to to because here's the thing, you know, and, and here's the question that I always had. We know that he loved her mother. He loved Catelyn. Right. Do you think? that he loves Sansa or she's like a means to an end for him. I think I think it's a means to the end. I think he only ever in in whatever twisted way he knew what love was, he only ever loved Kit Catelyn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everything else was just a means. Obviously Catelyn's sister, he used her. Why mm-hmm. would he not use Sansa to solidify power? Because and that's the sad part is not sad, but he so desperately wants power. And he is a good manipulator, but it's it's like he can never overcome that final hump, you know? And he's mm-hmm. so close now because he is, for all intents and purposes, the, I don't want to say king, but whatever, he's the head of, of the Riverlands. But mm-hmm. it's still not enough for him. You know, he needs, yeah. he wants Sansa so he can bring Winterfell in the north under his thumb. 
you know. Uh, well, I think, you know, if you remember that, I think it's all the way back to the first season when we're in the uh, the Red Keep and they're getting ready for an, uh, it was a meeting of the small council and you see him standing in the throne room and he's looking at that iron throne and you see that look in his eyes. He's like, that's where I'm supposed to be. And yeah. that's all the way back in season one. So he, he doesn't care at this point. He, the love of his life is gone. You know, she died at the Red Wedding. He doesn't care now. He'll manipulate, twist anybody. He wants that iron throne. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we have uh, so we have two more minor characters we need to mm-hmm. talk sure. about. Um, and they're both in Old Town. So first we come to Samuel Tarley. And oh. that we... First of all, that disgusting montage of oh. him emptying out the the privies or whatever you want to call them <laughs> yeah. that the Meisters use uh, intercut with him serving what looked like the worst beef stew ever to the Meisters every every day where you yeah. can tell what was what and it's still not as bad as the Ed Sheeran scene I'm just saying it's pretty bad though but it yeah, is bad yeah. I, had to, I, I had to fast forward through that part <laughs> I did too yeah I, I honestly I did like, too I'm yeah. like I know what happens here <laughs> Uh, frankly, the scene should win awards for visual and the sound <laughs> because <laughs> it was so disgusting. It's like, yeah. But we do learn that Sam, who was sent by John to mm-hmm. Old Town to learn from the Meisters about the best way to kill the White um, Walkers, and they yeah. discover it's, uh, is it called Dragonstone? Uh, Dragonglass. Dragonglass. Um, mm-hmm. But he's having trouble getting access to the He's, he's like an intern. That's why he's cleaning poop and he's serving lunch. <laughs> yeah. So he's having trouble getting access to the really old um, uh, textbooks, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And he's helping uh, with he's helping one of the I think the Grandmeister with an autopsy yes. or something. And he just he just spills his guts. He's like, look, this is what I believe. I've seen the White Walkers. I've seen them kill Dragonglass. I know no one believes me. What am I going to do? And the Meister doing what Meister should do, what educators should do, is he thought about it logically, and he says, Sam, I believe you because, you know, the logic behind what you're saying makes sense, and you gain nothing from telling lies at this point. So, uh, and that makes Sam, like, feel better about it. Um, and I think I think that's how he gets access to the older books, right? He was given permission from him? Oh, no, he, he actually wasn't given permission, but he, he saw which one of the maesters had the keys to that restricted section, and on his route there, as he's going through and t- picking up the chamber pots, which I guess is the nice term for it, he swiped the keys, basically. Well, that's uh, right. You're right. Yeah. He, did, he believed them, but he felt that the wall was enough to protect uh, Westeros. Well, he, he gave a great analogy. You know, he said, look, uh, when Robert's Rebellion happened, everybody thought this is the end. Uh, when the Mad King was in power, this is the end. When Aegon, you know, came came east with all his dragons, this is the end. He goes, way back when it was the Long Night, they all thought it was the end. Bad stuff happens, but life goes on. He's like, I believe you, but let's not be that worried about it. Yeah, there's 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 no conscience in him that says maybe we should try to prevent as many people dying as possible. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. you know, people die. People die, they're gonna die, and if it's you know, from the army of the dead, but it's like uh, I think this is a little bit more pressing than some of the other things you talk about, but you know. And I'll just do a quick rewind because we do see the army of the dead. I think 
isn't that what opens the episode? The army of the dead walking toward um, the wall. And I think, and then we go to Arya. Right. Point. Yeah. And yeah. it's the first. It's the first time you see them after. I think it was called Hard Home. Yes. Right when they lost the battle of Hard Home, and barely got away, uh, John and the and the and the um the, uh, the, the Night's Watch. Yeah, yeah, and the Wildlings. And uh, what's great about that is you get to see, you know, they had one, the Wildlings had two or three giants with them, and two of them were, were killed and turned into the White Walkers. And they looked horrifying, you know? So that just that scene alone was awesome. That's all you need. So uh, going back to Sam, I'm sorry. I just wanted to talk about that before mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah. So Sam gets the book and realizes that Dragonstone is built on pretty much a dragonglass mine. Yeah. So he's got to get that information to John somehow. Um, and uh, his girlfriend, I guess, and her son is <laughs> with him, right? Gilly, yeah, Gilly, Gilly is there. Yeah. Gilly is there with the baby. Uh, and then the other secondary character that's there is Jorah Mormont, who went in search of a cure for his, uh, what they call dragon, oh, Grayscale. Grayscale, yeah. And um, he went to the Meisters for help, and they kind of locked him away with other people with Grayscale. And he's it's progressing up his arm and on his chest, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any help for him. Yeah, and he, he pretty much asks Sam, he's like, has Daenerys, has she arrived yet? Sam says, nope, not that I've heard. And he's sort of like, uh, okay. You know, like, he'll, he'll wait for more news. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, this first episode, it's like the beginning of the chess game. Like, we know where all the pieces are. You know, we know kind of what the alliances are, where, you know, sort of their opening moves are about to begin. Um, and... You know, it just really kind of sets the tone for what's going to come in this season and in the future. Yeah, it, it does a great job of reintroducing us to all the main and secondary, important secondary characters, and really letting us know where they're at and what their goals of the season are going to be. Because the episode does end with Daenerys setting foot in Dragonstone, walking through her ancestors' castle. That was like, I guess, this, that was where the uh, Targaryens. That was like their 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 kingdom i guess right yeah um and um so she's you know walking up the steps and she's just kind of going through the castle and uh, probably the second greatest throne in the land after the iron throne is that kind of granite stone or i guess it's supposed to be dragon glass i don't know but i I would think dragon glass yeah yeah. it's a gorgeous it's a gorgeous throne and um and she just turns around and she sees her advisors including Tyrion, and she says what jay well, actually, I think Tyrion turns to her and says, "Are you ready to begin?" And no, actually, she says, "Shall we?" Begin? Oh, oh, shall we begin? Yeah, and oh, they're in the count in the war council room. She says, "Shall we begin?" Yeah, yeah, and, and I kind of, I, I kind of felt like she's talking to us, like, "Oh yeah, ready? <laughs> like, like you're ready to begin." And the first time I saw, it, I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> I was like, "It's about time." There, it, that this episode ends when you're so happy for the good guys. You know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, good guys. You got, you're like, oh my god, Daenerys is going to wreak havoc across the land with her unsullied and her Dothraki and the navy and her three dragons. Like, it's going to be a slobber knocker. And then you're like, <laughs> John's finally reunited the North, and they're going to defend, you know, the wall. The, the they're going to defend Westeros from the White Walkers, and that's going to be another slobber knocker. And Cersei's got no allies, and she's done for. And and you know, it's just you. That episode ends with all these high hopes. But then you have to remind yourself, wait a second, I'm watching Game of Thrones. 
it never ends nice for the nice people. <laughs> no, it never yeah. does. It never yeah. does. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it, it's a great setup because you're like, no matter what comes next, it is high drama, great storytelling. And, you know, for a TV show, when you see a lot of these battles, like the Battle of the Bastards and, you know, the, the Battle at Hard Helm, I mean, for a TV show, this is some of the they have some of the best act, action sequences ever it's, yeah. it's amazing it's think, like scale of the lord of the rings i would say almost almost yeah i think this next season this last season is going to be phenomenal because i'm thinking and i think they're going to deliver that each episode is going to be like a feature-length movie yeah. like like that kind of production budget and i'm so excited for each one of these episodes and they said they said the, the battles in this season are going to dwarf the battle of the bastards and oh, the Battle of the Bastards, that was... Well, I mean, I get claustrophobic watching the Battle of the Bastards when, when John's surrounded and stuff. Pretty much, and he, um, he's almost, like, crawling out from, like, underneath, like, uh, just a heap of bodies to, to try to keep on fighting. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, I All thought right. when... I thought, well, I, I was going to say, I thought, you know, in the beginning when we saw uh, Stannis attacking uh, the Red Keep and the Battle of Blackwater Bay, I thought, like, wow, this is pretty epic. <sighs> That was nothing compared oh my to what, God, we, yeah, right. what we're, what we're going to get. Yeah. And like I said, Jay, we've both seen the season already, so I won't spoil it, but there's one or two epic battles in this season, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk about them. But, I know. But, I know. I'm really excited. <laughs> like we did, Jay and I, it was fortuitous and kind of planned that we are exactly seven weeks out, and we have seven episodes from last season to talk about. So, Jay, any, any final thoughts on season seven, episode one? Dragonstone. Dragonstone. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, like I said, I think this, like you said, each first episode of, of every new season really sets the tone, and this is perfect. It's it's the theme of this show is the pieces are in place, the real game's about to begin. Yeah. And like I said, this, this episode ends with you feeling really really like stoked for the quote-unquote good guys but i'm just saying remind yourself this is game <laughs> of thrones great episode all around i mean uh it one is. to ten really what, are you gonna give, what would you give it one to ten one to ten uh i definitely have to give this one an eight um you know light on action which is which is fine uh, but great storytelling it was a great way in an hour to catch us up on what's going on with everybody and there's a lot of characters yeah. But we know what's going up on with everybody, and it's like, here's the tone for the rest of the season. Game starting. And they set up quite a few things to look forward to. You have the reunion of the Stark siblings to hopefully look forward to. Um, mm -hmm. You have uh, Sam getting that information to John. You hopefully have that to look forward to. You hopefully yeah. have, um, like I said before, Daenerys taking her uh, alliance, I guess, for lack of a better word, and just wreaking havoc on Cersei, you have hopefully that to look forward to. Um, for, you know, you have Littlefinger getting his comeuppance, hopefully. Uh, you have hopefully Brienne and Clegane part two, you know, coming up. So, yeah, this this episode is great because it, it spells out the season and it leaves you wanting more, and that's what a great first episode does, I think. So a scale of one to ten, where is this one football for you? I, yeah, I'd give it an eight, too, and I'm like part of me is like I should give it a nine or ten because the only reason I'm giving it an eight is because you're right the lack of action but then I'm thinking like do I need action for it to be good so right now I'll stick at an eight but ask me again <laughs> sometimes 
I'm not changing. Because I think I'm relying too much on the action. Because you can't but help compare it to like a Battle of the Bastards episode. You know what I mean? Because oh, right now, the Battle of the Bastards is the high watermark, I think. You know, off the top of my head, it's the high watermark for this show. Oh, it, it, it is with the, with the action sequences there, uh, and even just uh, because don't forget that's the one where I think one of the most vile people in this show, Ramsey Bolton, right. gets his comeuppance. Well, it, it, it is sweet justice. <laughs> yeah, and Battle of the Bastards is the episode where finally the people you're like something good happens for the people you they're exactly. telling you you got to care about. Like these are the people you got to care about. But they keep getting crapped on for like five seasons. <laughs> and finally something good happens. And what's good about it is that, that scene where he's almost like getting crushed and they're surrounded. You're like, oh my God, this is John's done. And they already, you know, planted the seed that, you know, you're not gonna they're not gonna bring he doesn't want to come back again. Like, you know, he's like, Don't bring me back if I die again. Right. And because of Game of Thrones, known for killing people you love, you're thinking, oh my god, this and not only is this the end of Jon Snow. And all the hopes we've, as viewers, been pinning on 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 him to save the you know, Westeros. Ramsey Bolton's gonna win it again because the whole guy does is win. Yes. Like, ah. So the fact that it turns the way we finally it finally turns the way we wanted it to turn. It, it's like finally a win for the good guys. It's that slow. You know, it's 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 like Empire ended and now the hopefulness has started. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like back, you know, when they're when the when they were at their lowest. So the the one before Battle of Bastards was when they were at their lowest. Battle of Bastards ends. You're like, all right, now it's turning for the people we love and people we care about. So that's why that's a 10 for me. That's a high watermark um, for Game of Thrones for me thus far. Uh, So I'll definitely give this an eight, maybe even a nine. Eight and a half. I'll give eight and a half. Let's look at the news. I I, I totally see that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, even though there isn't a lot of action in here, there's a lot of great storytelling. And I think you see that in a lot of episodes because you don't always get a ton of action in these episodes but you just get great storytelling and, and this one does it you know just just like all the rest of them so it makes you excited for the season but it also kind of makes you realize like oh wait after this we only have one more season and then this is going away <laughs> and I, I you know what we forgot to mention we forgot I'm sorry I forgot we forgot the one last uh, um, secondary character is Euron Greyjoy the uncle oh, that yes. took over so he is working with Cersei. He's willing to give her his thousand ship navy. Um, he wants to marry her, but she refuses. And he's gonna do. He's gonna bring. He's gonna like. Oh well, I should, you know, I should bring you something to prove I'm worthy to marry you. So that's how that that little scene ends. He also got some great back and forth with Tyrion and uh, Jamie and um, and Cersei. <laughs> and he says something. They said they said something to him about him killing his brother. And, so, yes. and he goes to Cersei, he goes, you should try it, it's fun. And Jamie's like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you're on, he's, he's, let me tell you something. They yeah. kill Ramsey, the next episode, or I don't know when he came, but then you got Euron. Oh, I hate this guy so much. I do, I, I hate him. And, and we can't talk more about him, because he is coming later on in the season, but, oh, God. It's big it, it, season. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, is way back when I thought, well, they're never going to find anybody more horrible than Joffrey. Well, they did in Ramsey. Yeah. And, you know, now you have Cersei and you have Euron and it's, oh, God, they just, the villains get worse. But it's kind of good for us as the viewers because I always do love a good, I love hating a good villain. And he yeah. is a great villain. Yep. 
All right. All righty. All right. So that ends our first episode of Ga- Gab of Thrones, uh, season yes. seven, episode one, Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. If you like what you hear, leave us a little note on Anchor. I'm not sure that we're – well, this is our first episode, so we're probably not pushed out to other platforms. <laughs> not just yet, but, yeah, when we start nice rolling if... out – yeah, when we start rolling out on other platforms, we'll definitely let you guys know. Uh, but Anchor has a call-in feature, so call in and let us know what you thought or – Yeah, tell us what you th- – yeah, tell us what you think about the episode. If you can, keep your comments situated on this episode or any before. Try not to go ahead of the season. Um yeah, let's let's have a dialogue about Game of Thrones. You know, this is our last chance. We have you know one season left, and and then you know I guess we could talk about it forever to be honest with you. But you <laughs> I know. know I could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's know. Let's know what you like. Let's know what you didn't like. Well, let's know what you liked at least. <laughs> and, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to do this, Jay. I'm glad we decided to do this. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it in the beginning show, but you know, Jay and I are part of the Brothers in Armchairs uh, yes. podcast production i guess and uh you know we're both on many other shows for some odd reason <laughs> um but i'm glad we got together and we decided this and because it is a finite thing uh maybe maybe i mean if we love it and you guys love it maybe we'll keep going and do other shows i don't know but we'll talk about that when it comes um but yeah so you can hear me on the nerd and me podcast with my buddy alan and we talk geek stuff well every show i talk geek stuff to be honest with you and then you can also catch me with uh, my buddy Pete on Fat Guys and Little Coats. Jay? Yeah, and you can catch me also with Pete on our show, Enter the Dirt Zone. And I do a couple of solo shows myself, one called Stuff You Don't Need to Know, which is kind of just a variety of different things, uh, geek-related mostly. And I also do Defender of the Realm, which is pretty much role-playing games, heavily on console and, and computer type games with some some tabletop stuff as well. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much where you can find me. And you could find links to every single one of those podcasts at www.brothersandarmchairs.com and that's all one word. All right, and Jay, I got a special uh, surprise for you. Oh. All right, now this is for Jay and listeners. I'm sorry for this, but he, re- <laughs> he requested this. You ready, Jay? Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm ready. <laughs> Go ahead. I was about to narrate it. I was going to say oh. we're scrolling over the map of Westeros. <laughs> I, I wish I knew the whole song. Unfortunately, I fast forward to it. They have great opening credits too, and I fast forward. I'm like, get to the fighting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Jay, so now we have to come up with our clever sign-offs. What's your clever sign-off going to be? Oh, boy, what's my clever sign-off? Uh, oh, boy, wow, I was not ready for this. Uh, let's uh, see. That's why I have to be clever. <laughs> A podcaster always pays his debts. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. Putting you on the spot. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, you sure are. Uh... The podcasters and the North remembers. No. Very good. Yeah. Uh, that might change. Yours is perfect. Mine might, might change. <laughs> All right, Jay. See you next week. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>